I got one life, got a made up mind, one time to live, one time to die, I gotta make my one count, one life, got a made up mind, one time to live, one time to die, I gotta make my one count, one life. Hey, praise the Lord. This is Taylor preaching Jesus the Christ. You are still listening to the One Life Podcast via MadeUpMind.com. This week's podcast is entitled Less Than Committed. Less Than Committed. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so delighted to share with you this word I believe is relevant in the world today, specifically America, in the dating, the hookup, shackup, you know, casual uh, sex partners and sleeping around and all these sexual scenarios. And we need to know the truth when it comes to relationships, dating, marriage. This is just one aspect that uh, was put on my heart a few weeks ago and, and just watching the news and just listening to different things as I live life I am inspired by the Holy Spirit of God I spent probably four or five hours just reading the Bible and studying for this word so may it be a blessing to you please subscribe if you're listening for the first time welcome I welcome you, I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ, and my prayer is that you will hear some truth that you feel is relevant to your life, some truth that you feel you can live by and apply yourself. Uh, again, this podcast is called Less Than Committed. Let us pray. Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, this is a word for the single for the young person, for the old person, for the single mother, for the widowed, for the divorced. This is a word for anyone considering a relationship, a relationship where they want companionship, they want, uh, you know, company, they don't wanna be lonely, they want intimacy, they want vulnerability, they want transparency, they want trust, all of these things. Well, there's a way to go about things and it's not according to me. I pray that according to your word that is shared on this less than committed message, that that you equip those who have an ear to hear what your spirit is saying so that they can go about things uh, in a way that's more like you. Thank you so much, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Less than committed. We're gonna be coming out of one verse, of course, and it'll lead to other things. If you have been following, then you know there's lots of Bible in this podcast. So I would encourage you and or your small group or maybe even your church. My prayer is that you get out some uh, paper or your computer or pens, however you transcribe notes uh, so that you can learn, apply, share, and grow. This is all about growing to do. Jesus says in Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? Wow, powerful words from God himself. Yes, Lord, to your will, to your way, and to your word. The first verse that we're going to introduce and uh, work in this podcast is Proverbs 14, 12. Proverbs 14, 12. 
I'm reading out of the King James. It says, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14, 12, King James Version. Look at the key phrases, seemeth right. And then there is the big but. Seemeth right, but. Proverbs 16, 25, King James Version. This is a redundant phrase that Solomon pins, and he says it twice. He does that many times in Proverbs. Proverbs 16, 25, King James. It says, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 16, 25, King James Version. This verse says the same thing as the last verse. But let's look at other translations in this verse. Proverbs 16, 25, Amplified. There is a way which seems right to a man and appears straight before him, but its end is the way of death. Contemporary English version. It says, sometimes what seems right is really a road to death. Expanded Bible version says, some people think they are doing right. There is a path that is straight before a person or seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads, is the path to death. God's word translation, there is a way that seems right to a person, but eventually it ends in death. Wow. The Living Bible Translation. Before every man, there lies a wide and pleasant road he thinks is right, but it ends in death. Last translation, the Message Translation. There's a way that looks harmless enough. Look again. It leads straight to hell. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was the reading of Proverbs 16.25 in the various translations. Now, this is the way. I call it the course of discovery. We're going to uh, entertain five questions over the course of this podcast. One, what is dating? Two, what is romance? Three, what is engaged? Four, what is marriage? And five, what is the point? The first point in this podcast, what is dating? If we were to look at a basic definition, the word date means the time at which an event occurs. It also means a social engagement. And in parentheses, it says, see engagement. A social engagement between two persons that often has a romantic character. An example is going to the movies together or getting an appetizer together. Let's keep going with the word date. According to list.com, let's, let's read a little bit of the origin of date and the history of date. The concept of dating really began at the turn of the 20th century. Prior to the late early 1900s, courtship was a much more private, unemotional affair. Women would meet with several men with her parents present to whittle the pickings down to the most suitable match for marriage, which heavily relied on factors such as financial and social status. 
When a young woman decided on a man she wanted to see exclusively, their activities as a couple took place in the household or at social gatherings. At that time, there was no such thing as just two young lovers going out on a date. However, this began to change in the early early years of the 20th century when couples began to go out together in public and unsupervised. Here's a very important point in this historic origin blurb. Still, the ultimate and very apparent goal was still that of marriage. This stands in stark contrast to today's dating world when the topic of marriage may not be brought up for several years. That was list.com. You can look up the origin of, of marriage. A lot of times, I mean the origin of dating. A lot of times today, you just simply Google, read through the, the junk sources and get down to a viable source. And in my findings, this was a viable source. I will also add that this is more of a Western concept. Uh, in other words, arranged marriages still occur today in a, in, a, in, a, in a good amount of the world. Arranged marriages go just like what we read. The parents are kind of the leading folks who select uh, uh, prospective uh, spouses for their children. Now, why is this date important? And how does date become dating? Okay, again, the first time we, 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 we met, the, first, uh, the day we first made it official that we were in a romantic relationship because the dates become important, the occasions become important, the people involved in these dates become important because of romance, right? So I'm not talking to you as if you don't already know. Again, we're slowly unpacking this message less than committed. So romance is the reason why, oh, the day we first met, oh, the day we first went here, oh, we, we first had our ice cream together there and all that. When romance is awakened or is present, that's when you start recording pictures, etc., etc. So let's quickly move on now that we understand dating. Now let's move on to romance. So what is romance? Romance will vary depending on who you ask, especially today. I don't even know if that term exists with a lot of these 30, 25, and 20 year olds. I don't know, okay? But according to Rosetta Stone, the noun romance is defined as a novel, movie, or genre of popular fiction which, in which characters fall in love or begin a romantic relationship. As it turns out, this more commonly used term has a similar origin. The related term, romance, is the old French term for verse narrative. In the 1300s, a romance was a story told about the adventures and quests of chivalric heroes, often including knights in shining armor and fair maidens. Because these tales were told in the, in the vernacular as opposed to formal Latin, they came to be called romans, derived from Romanicus. So uh, as this fictional form grew in popularity across Europe, the name stuck and slowly changed over time to romance. So, romance stories got their name from the language they were originally shared in, which got its name from the Roman Empire. 
All right, that's a little bit of history on the word romance. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the One Life Podcast via MadeUpMind.com. This is Taylor, Christian rapper, Bible teacher. Check out the latest album, Free One, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, and wherever digital music is sold. Folks, we're back, and the question on the table is, is there romance in the Bible? We've looked at the definition. We've looked at some history. All right. Well, you know, when it comes to following Jesus, is there romance in the Bible? I might feel a certain way. I might have different things come across my mind. But is there romance in the Bible? Okay, let's read. Genesis 26, verse 7, NLT, New Living Translation. When the men who lived there asked Isaac about his wife, Rebekah, he said, she is my sister. He was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought they will kill me to get her because she is so beautiful. Okay. All right. Okay. She is so beautiful. Genesis 26. All right. Let's go a little bit further. Genesis 29, 16 through 18, New Living Translation. Now Laban had two daughters. The older daughter was named Leah and the younger one was Rachel. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes, but Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. Oh my goodness, that's a that's that's the the, the 100% male's dream. A beautiful figure and a lovely face. This is the Bible, folks. Let's keep reading. Since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I'll work for you for seven years if you'll give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Do you see how motivated this brother Jacob was? He saw Rachel and he thought Rachel was so fine. Throw out all the terms that have uh, evolved over the centuries from, from uh, fair damsel to uh, a pretty princess to a uh, brick house to uh, uh, she fine or, or whatever they say today. Jacob saw Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face, says the Bible. Was that romance? Yes, it was. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. 2 Samuel 11, verse 2, King James Version. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. So far, David ain't doing nothing but minding his own business. The Bible says, and from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, if you are a 100% male and testosterone guides you, if you see a woman washing herself, that's going to catch your attention. But the Bible goes on further to say, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. This brother got the one-two Mike Tyson knockout. First, he saw a woman bathing herself, and then the Bible says the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Uh-oh, the romance tea kettle is jingling, is whistling. That brother David said immediately, the, the, we know the story, he sent his folks to say, go get her, bring her to me now. All right? So, in just three verses, we see that, you know, there is romance in the Bible. As a matter of fact, let's look at other translations in this last verse. Amplified classic version. 
It says, and he saw a woman bathing and she was very lovely to behold. When you look up the word behold, it means to gaze upon. There are times when men would love to just gaze, stare at a woman. Now, I'm not saying this is a comfortable thing or you should do this, men. I'm simply saying when the word behold means this woman, Bathsheba, was so fine. David said, I want to look and I don't want to stop looking at this beautiful woman. All right. The Living Bible, same verse, it says, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking her evening bath. My goodness, unusual beauty. Expanded Bible, it says, while he was on the roof, he saw a woman bathing. She was very beautiful, not just beautiful, very beautiful, says the Bible. Finally, the Amplified Version says, there he saw a woman bathing. And she was very beautiful in appearance. That covers everything that he can see from head to toe. Her hair, her hands, etc. Okay? Now, that's according to Rosetta Stone. I just read to you according to the Bible what romance is. Now, let's read what romance is according to science and biology. Humans, like many other life forms, reproduce sexually. We, like all other sexual creatures, are subject to instinctive, natural, innate, or automatic sexual desire triggered by appropriate criteria. WSU, I believe, is Washington State University, EDU. That's where we get that uh, definition of romance according to science and biology. So again, it's instinctive, it's natural, innate, or automatic, and it's according to appropriate criteria. This is why everything from the uh, uh, paradigm falcon to uh, peacocks to chimpanzees to dogs, every animal has the way that it mates. And the way that animals uh, 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 who are um, you know, sexual creatures, the way that they mate is gonna be a little different. So the way that I mate, for example, is going to be the way it's going to be a different than the way uh, uh, somebody over in India uh, mates. In other words, the criteria and very varies in different parts of the world. The criteria varies even in different parts of the city. So it's really up to you. Everybody has their own appropriate criteria that works for them when romance strikes. Sometimes, you know, the boys, as they're growing, they don't even know nothing about romance until one day they see a girl and they just, boom, something happens inside of them. Again, instinctive, natural, innate, or automatic. And all of a sudden, they got stars in their eyes, hearts in their eyes, they feel their ears is fluttering, etc. So here's what happens, folks. Dating leads to romance. Romance leads to engage or engagement and engagement leads to marriage. So those are the four stages between the first time romance strikes until marriage. Dating, romance, engage, and then marriage. Now we're gonna break all these terms down. You already know we're going somewhere, okay? 
But before we continue, let me give a word for young biological males. It's sad to say it's 2023 and we have to be very specific at who we're speaking to. I'm talking about born males, males born by a woman, of course, born from their mother and they are males. They are declared it's a boy because they are males biologically, medically, and scientifically. This is a word for young biological males. You may not know this, but testosterone is the male sex hormone that is made in the testicles. Testosterone hormone levels are important to normal male sexual development and functions. During puberty, in the teen years, testosterone helps boys develop male features like body and facial hair, deeper voice and muscle strength. Men need testosterone to make sperm. This is according to American Urology Association. Again, males with the reproductive organs they have, have testosterone for reproductive purposes. All right? So, here's a word, a wise word for young biological males. Here's a few points, five points I got for you before we give you a few scriptures to support these points. Number one. Dating is for those who are ready to be married. The minimum age in most states is 18 years old. So if you're not at least 18 years old, Taylor's advice to you is you should not be dating. Okay? The approval of fathers is the way. If you're a young man and you are dating, you need to go through the father if the father is present or one who is like a father. It may be a grandfather, it may be an uncle, it may be a stepfather. But if you're going to date a daughter, a, a girl, you know, and you're trying to prepare yourself, then you need to get with that father, get with that uh, mature adult man and really see what he approves of, see what his standards are for his daughter. Four, obedience to Jesus matters most. Obedience to Jesus matters most. So if it comes down to it and you're dating somebody and, it, it, you know, one thing leads to another, remember, it, it, my charge to you is think about Jesus and obeying him because that's what matters the most. Not dating, not the girl, not this season of your life. If you can't obey Jesus and date, then you need to wait on dating and obey Jesus. Cancel dating and obey Jesus. My last point, a little word for these young men is this. Once you turn that fire hydrant on, you cannot turn it off. I'm going to read you some verses that support what I'm saying to you. So if you have never dated, if you've never uh, uh, interacted with a female, I'm trying to warn you ahead, three, four miles down the road. Listen to me very closely. Once you turn that fire hydrant on, you cannot turn it off. This is exactly why God did not want Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of life. Once their eyes were open, he already knew. That's why he had to remove them from the Garden of Eden. This is the same way. When, 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 when Adam bit that fruit and Eve took that fruit, God knew, okay, we can't undo what they've already been exposed to. And that's the same thing here. Once you, once you go that way and you engage sexually with someone, you cannot turn it off. Please hear me loud and clear, young man. Now, let me read 
these following verses to you. Proverbs 6, 27 through 28, New Living Translation. It says, can a man scoop a flame into his lap and not have his clothes catch on fire? Can he walk on hot coals and not blister his feet? Are you kidding me? You can't kid me and you certainly cannot kid God. If I threw a hot coal in your hands, your hands will burn. Proverbs 2, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 2, 22, King James, it says, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. 2 Timothy 2, 22, King James Version. So you don't have to walk in life alone. It says with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So if you, you know, that, that, that previous verse, if you, if you play with fire, you're going to get burned. Uh, example, you go to the girl's house, the mama in the kitchen cooking, you know, food. You, the girls say, come sit next to me. Uh-oh, the fire's already started. You sit next to her. You feel the form of her leg touching your leg. Then after a while of watching TV, she lean into your shoulder a little bit and she, she pulls your arm around her. Uh-oh, the, the fire done turned up 100 degrees. Then your hand is on her shoulder and it goes from her shoulder down to her arm. You see where I'm going? That's the fire hydrant that is on. And then on Tuesday in one month, then on Wednesday in the next month, you're very familiar with the last thing that you did the previous month. So you can do all the things that you did the previous month, but again, the fire hydrant pushes you to go a little bit further and to do a little bit more. This I'm gonna borrow this from G. Craig Lewis and we are gonna continue reading the Bible. G. Craig Lewis with EX Ministry said it like this. He calls it the soda pop theory. Back in the day, there was eight ounce sodas. 20 years later, there was 12 ounce sodas. 10 years later, it was 16 ounce sodas. Now we got 20 ounce sodas. What does that mean? The appetite for drinking soda has increased from eight ounces all the way to 20 ounces. That is what happens in the pool of dating. I could say a lot more, but for the purpose of this podcast, let's keep reading. Psalm 119.9 was still giving this word to young men, young biological males. Psalm 119 verse 9, King James says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to the word of God. The word of God is going to have you be clean, live the way that God wants you to live, so on and so forth. Now let me read you one more verse. This is a word to the young men. Song of Solomon 8, verse 4. New Living Translation says, Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, not to awaken love until the time is right. Young man, you may be 14, you may be 15, you may be 16. Dating right now for you, no, the time is not right. Yes, it is great that your testosterone is working. Yes, it is great that you like females. Yes, it is great that you want females. Great. That means the testosterone that God put in you when you came out as a baby boy is working properly. That's okay. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you desiring females. But the time is not 
right. Again, if you can't be married at 14, that means you should not be dating. This is Tay Love's advice as a man of God, as a father, as, as one brother in the world who's lifting up the banner of Jesus, trying to help you follow Jesus. So again, Song of Solomon 8.4, New Living Translation, promise me, O women of Jerusalem, not to awaken love until the time is right. So it's not that you can't do it. It's a matter of how you do it, how you go about doing it. And that means at least 18 years old. Okay, folks, young men, here is my, uh, what, what I'm really trying to say to you. If you are not ready to be married, don't hang around girls. I'm going to say it one more time. I don't care where you live, what part of the world you're in. If you are not ready to be married, don't hang around girls because one, if you hang around them, you're going to see them. If you see them, you're going to like them. If you like them, you're going to touch them. If you touch them, you are going to engage yourself sexually with them. First Corinthians seven, one, I believe is King James. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. <laughs> okay. So if you touch them, you're going to engage yourself sexually with them. And unfortunately, if you engage yourself sexually with them, you are in sin before God. Yes, as a young man, oh yeah, even in Christ, I have had a brief time. When I say brief, I'm not talking to multiple partners, but I had a brief time in sexual sin. I'm not proud of that, but the reason I can say what I'm saying today is because I already know how the cookie crumbles. And I'm trying to admonish the men, the potential men of God, great men of God in the making behind me. Listen, if you're not ready to be married, don't hang around girls. Again, if you hang around them, you're going to see them. If you see them, you're going to like them. If you like them, you're going to touch them. If you touch them, here come that sin. And once you engage yourself sexually with them, you are in sin before God. Young men, there are three fruits of sexual sin. Fatherlessness, STDs, and abortion. So, fatherlessness, STDs, and abortion. Is it any wonder why the cry of the culture is sexual sin? Especially in America. Cartoons, sitcoms, movies, commercials, songs, signs, advertising, all promote sex with no strings attached in order to propagate, market, solicit, sell, suggest, and even seduce preschoolers now towards sex. Fatherlessness, STDs, and abortion are all the ways of death. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Taylor preaching Jesus the Christ. You're listening to the One Life Podcast via MadeUpMind.com. Share the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. This is word that is untainted by grandma's political correctness, by denominationalism, by prosperity gospel, the gimmick that wants to get people's money and get butts and seats and buildings and programs. No, this Bible teaching is for those who are hungry for the truth and it is unadulterated, uncompromising, and uncut. Take love, preaching Jesus. We're back, folks. What is engaged? 
We gave you what is dating. We gave you what is romance. We gave you a word to the young males. Now let's move on to engage. This is the pivot point of this podcast. This is going to illuminate the phrase less than committed. We had to give you the backdrop so now you can clearly see what we're trying to say this time around. What is engaged? According to the culture, again, it depends on who you ask. According to the culture, an engagement, also known as a betrothal, is the period of time when a marriage proposal and the, and the marriage. So it's the period of time between I say, will you marry me until the day I marry you? That's when we engage. It also encompasses the relationship of the two partners. The length of an engagement may vary from a very short amount of time to many years, depending on the wishes of the couple. The mutual promise of two people to marry is called an engagement. With an engagement, the couple testifies to their desire to marry. Some people stay engaged for months. Some people stay engaged for years. And the way that today's culture works in America, engagement ain't even brought up because people ain't trying to be married. Okay, that's we, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but let's keep going. All right, so engaged, the basic definition means pledged to be married. Engaged means betrothed. Engaged means greatly interested engaged means committed all right that word has been introduced committed so if we're going to understand engage we got to understand committed so what does committed mean brother yes i'm going to tell you committed means having made a pledge or commitment to someone such as a romantic partner or something so watch this. This is exactly why we studied and why I like word webs. We haven't even got the Greek, Hebrew, root word, present tense, all that stuff. But watch this, folks. To be engaged is to be committed. To be committed is to pledge. To pledge is to promise. To promise is to vow. Why is that word vow important deep down in the word web of engage? Vow means to promise solemnly to bind or consecrate by a vow or words. Folks, here is the bomb that blows up the truth of less than committed. So when we look at engaged, we find committed, we find committed, then we find vow. And digging vow, we find the word consecrate. Oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, consecrate means dedicated to a sacred purpose to devote irrevocably to the worship of God by a solemn ceremony. Now we have unveiled what it means to be less than committed, okay? If you are in a relationship and you call yourself dating somebody, if you ask me, uh, uh, well, let me not get ahead of myself. Let me follow my script. I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but let's work this word consecrate for a minute. Consecrate, it means dedicated to a sacred purpose to devote irrevocably to the worship of God by a solemn ceremony. 
if we were to continue reading, which we will, to be engaged physically means to be consecrated before God biblically. Let me say that one more time, folks. To be engaged physically means to be consecrated before God biblically. In the eyes of God, you do not engage physically with someone that you are not married to. In the eyes of God, you do not engage physically with someone that you are not married to. Engaging physically with someone is a privilege that accompanies being married to that person or what consecrates the union before God. This is what consecrate means. Folks, I really hope you see what I'm trying to tell you. Let's look at the Bible, okay? We can't just think this man is on this show running his mouth. He giving his opinions. We got millions of people doing that. Let me read the Bible. Genesis 29, 21 ESV. It says, Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife that I may go into her for my time is completed. Jacob knew, Genesis 29, 21, ESV, Jacob knew, hey, I want to consecrate my marriage. I want to be physical with her, engage physically with her, joined physically with her because that's my wife. When I do that, that's going to consecrate the marriage. Again, stay with me, folks. Genesis 4.1, New Living Translation. Now, Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant. Genesis 4.1, New Living Translation. Okay, again, we're supporting the point that engaging physically with someone is a privilege that accompanies being married to that person or what consecrates the union before God. Now, how does a marriage become sacred? Listen, folks, Hebrews 13, 4, amplified, it reads, Marriage is to be held in honor among all, that is, regarded as something of great value, and the marriage bed undefiled by immorality or by any sexual sin. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Marriage is to be held in honor among all. Again, the word consecration or consecrate gives us the word sacred or worship or a solemn ceremony. Okay? Now, when we dig around, we will see the word consecrate, which is way down, deep down beneath the word engage. When we get down to the word consecrate, we will find the word conjugal. Conjugal. Conjugal, even used in penitentiary terms. Did you know that some prisons in America have what's called conjugal visits? Yes, prisoners, inmates who are married, can set up uh, visits and they have a trailer or something like that on the property and they can, you know, be engaged physically with their wives. I don't know how many, but I do know it's there. It's a right that married men have. I don't know how it all works. You can look it up or call and, you know, investigate it yourself, but it is there and it's true. The word conjugal 
means of or relating to the married state or to married persons and their relations. Folks, can you see a glimmer of hope, the glimmer of light, a glorious truth in this podcast so far? Sex is a privilege that comes with marriage. Sex is what consecrates, makes the marriage sacred or honorable before God. Sex is the physical engagement or the relations between a husband and his wife. Now watch this. The opposite of consecrate. This is going, again, we're trying to unveil. Just just watch this. The opposite of consecrate is temporal, unhallowed, secular, non-religious, worldly, or deconsecrated. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you put D, D-E, before a word, it means away from or off. So let's go back up to that word consecrate. It means dedicated to a sacred purpose or to devote irrevocably to the worship of God by a solemn ceremony. So deconsecrate would mean to, uh, 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 it's not sacred. It's not worship of God. It's not a solemn ceremony of unto God. Once romance surfaces between a man and woman, the engagement between them has begun. Ladies and gentlemen, did you hear what I just said? The world says you got to get down on your knee and pull out a ring and say, will you marry me? And that's what makes me engaged to you. Then instead of boyfriend, girlfriend, I call you fiance and we call each other fiance. No, that is not the truth. The truth is once romance has struck between a man and a woman, they are engaged. The engagement begins because the engagement is going to push them towards, again, I told you that word, consecrated. So if a man and a woman start holding hands and necking and kissing and petting and after a while the the shoes come off, the shirt come off, and so on and so forth, they're working their way towards the act that's called consecration before God. So that's why as soon as romance is on the scene, you might as well say marriage, okay? In other words, what the world calls dating is when two people are engaged. They're already acting towards each other physically or they are starting to do the tidbits of consecrating themselves, holding hands, kissing, etc. For romance is the driver of marriage. In other words, I'm attracted to you. There's something inside of me. It's innate. It's automatic. I'm compelled towards you. And that's what drives a person towards marriage. So then, if marriage is not the direction that two people are headed towards, that man and woman are in a less than committed exchange. Uh Uh-oh. Did you hear that? If you're in a relationship and it's not headed towards marriage, you are in a less than committed exchange. That man or that woman is not committed to you. 
All right. We already broke down what committed means. Engage, committed, vow, consecrate. You ain't in nothing serious with that person if you ain't headed towards marriage. Perpetual sexual sin before God is deconsecration and defilement before his holiness. You, what you have to understand is uh, 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 when it comes to the dating, the original design was marriage. Nowadays, they have Satan, the world, has erased the world, the word consecration, and they have just made it look like it's just this thing that happens between two people. So you mean to tell me I can roll around the town and every week I got a new woman that I'm engaging myself with physically. The world would say, I'm the man. God would say, you're a fool. You're a whoremonger. You're a, 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 you're a, a career fornicator. And you're actively sinning before God. It would be like you saying over and over uh, a blasphemous word to God. It would be like you saying over and over. Uh, uh, it would be like you uh, 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 robbing a bank every day. I rob a bank on Monday. I rob a bank on Tuesday. I rob a bank on Wednesday. And every time I rob a bank, I'm, I'm just increasing my uh, the offenses in the court of law because I'm going to get caught. All right? That's how it is before God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6, when we continue in sin, we crucify the Son of God over again. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews 10, 26 through 31 tells the mind of God that happens to a people who willfully sin. So let me say this point one more time because this is I hope this hits home for people who think they in something serious just because they had a boyfriend for three years or they done bought each other rings, they living together, driving each other's car. That don't mean jack in the eyes of God. That don't mean jack in the eyes of the law. The eyes of the law is looking at, hey, you either single or you're married. All that in-between stuff, they understand, but it does not have any weight in the court of law. So then, if marriage is not the direction that two people are headed towards, that man and woman are in a less than committed exchange. It don't matter how many times you done had sex. It don't, mean, it don't matter how many babies you got. You are in something that's less than committed. This is Taylor preaching Jesus the Christ. You're listening to the One Like Podcast on MadeUpMind.com. Share this podcast. Share it with the co-worker. Share it with the church member. It might be somebody who needs more growing in their walk with Jesus. Folks, we're back. Listen to this. We're working through engage and what it means, what it doesn't mean. All right? Perpetual sin before God is deconsecration and defilement before His holiness. Now, let's let's get into the minds of people because there may be someone listening who thinks like this. An unregenerate man says, your body and the way you look is the only thing I am interested in. Can you imagine how that exchange would go? Hey, hey, hey excuse me, miss. Your body and the way you look is the only thing I'm interested in. He might not say that, but that's what he's thinking. He might not say that, but that's what an unregenerate man, that's how he's operating. That's his whole point. 
and engaging with a woman. Uh, you know, your body and the way that's all I'm that's all I'm interested in. An unregenerate man says, I can have sex with you, but I am not committed enough to you to give you what sex with you says I am supposed to be to you. Let me read that one more time. In light of the word consecrated, again, committed. And in, in light of the word consecrate, an unregenerate man says, I can have sex with you, but I am not committed enough to you to give you what sex with you says I am supposed to be to you. Again, sex is a privileged conjugal rights between a married man and his wife. If this man or this woman refuses to marry, that's exactly what they are saying. I am in a less than committed relationship with you. An unregenerate man says, I don't want any children with you. I don't want to take care of you. I don't want to be responsible for you. I don't even love you. I only want to have sex with you. Can you believe that? Even though this is unspoken, folks, again, this is the flavor of the day for unregenerate men. Finally, an unregenerate man says, if you ain't trying to have sex with me, then there is no point in us knowing each other. You see that? Ladies and gentlemen, let's move on to the woman because it ain't just men who's, who, who, who walk down this street. It's women who walk down the street of the, 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 the whoremongering, the, the fornication. I got series called Boyfriendication. You can, you can listen to those podcasts. Boyfriendication, all right? An unregenerate woman says, that's what the man says and across the table. Here's what the unregenerate woman says. What makes me feel good is when you want me sexually. I don't have, I only have worth and value when men lust for me. The more sexually compelling I am, the more men will want me. I don't want him for anything serious. I just want to bait him with seduction, flirting, and sexual suggestions. Do you hear that? This is what a woman says. So what you have is a less than committed ping pong tennis match. The man dishing out crap that I just said and the woman dishing out crap that I also just said. And, and both of them are on both sides of the table. Ain't nobody scoring a point. The ball just going back and forth. Ping pong, ping pong, ping pong, ping pong. What in the world is that? The longer two people prolong marriage, then romance is not the real driver of that relationship and marriage will not occur. Let me say that one more time because I know so many people are living with their boyfriend and I'm like, man, that's just like calling me a toddler and I'm 13 years old. I'm like, dude, I was a toddler at two and three. I'm a boy now. Now at 13, I'm a young man. I don't want somebody to call me toddler when I'm 13 years old. I'm not 13, but you know what I mean. Okay, so example, you are in car sales. A person calls in, comes in, test drives, questions you, completes the financing application, and waits in the lobby from open to close, day in and day out. 
four months have passed and they still haven't purchased a car from you. Another example, an 18 year old man enrolls in college right after high school to earn a bachelor's degree. He drops out after two years to take time off. He enrolls in four classes, then takes another five years off to save money for a house. He gets married and has children, and seven years later, he completes his junior year of college. Because of his busy work schedule, it is 15 years later, and he still has not earned the degree that he started at 18. How old is this man? This man is approximately 48 years old. Folks, it's 30 years later, and this man started to go to school at 18, and he still has not completed his bachelor's degree. Ladies and gentlemen, because this is what dating has turned into today, marriage has decreased in value. Let's move on to the next point. What is marriage? Folks, we're almost done with this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Keep those pins fresh. Keep that computer charged up. Let's keep digging, folks. What is marriage? Let's just read the Bible. I don't want to give you what I think. I want to read the Bible. Genesis 2.18, Amplified. It says, Now the Lord God said, It is not good, beneficial, for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper, one who balances him, a counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him. Genesis 2.18, Amplified. Just so that you know, up until this verse, a female is not on the earth with Adam. All right? Keep that in mind. That's how it all began. God looked at Adam and saw a need for Adam. 1 Corinthians 11, 8 through 9, the Living Bible. The first man didn't come from woman, but the first woman came out of man. And Adam, the first man, was not made for Eve's benefit, but Eve was made for Adam. 1 Corinthians 11, 8 through 9, the Living Bible. I can hear the stones being thrown and, you know, women snarling and gnashing their teeth. Hey, uh, ladies, listen, it's just like why short people are short, why blind people are blind, why it takes so long in some parts of the world to walk or drive because certain amenities are not available. That's just the way it is. Males and females are made the way they are because God created them that way. Uh, the female was made for the male. The way her body is, uh, I'll just leave it at that, was made to complement the male. This is why her hair is longer, her voice is higher, she's generally more, uh, uh, she has more body fat, more cartilage, she's curvier, etc. All right? Ephesians 5, 22 through 24, King James Version. Why? Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Ephesians 5, 22-24. What else does the Bible have to say about marriage? Ephesians 5, 30-33, King James Version. 
For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Ephesians 5, 30-33, King James Version. One more verse before the breakdown. Malachi 2, 15, New Living Translation. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart, remain loyal to the wife of your youth. Malachi 2.15, New Living Translation. Ladies and gentlemen, families are created and sustained through strong marriages. Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, so on and so forth. Noah, so on and so forth. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jesse, David, the lineage continues. Jesus Christ, Paul, Peter, James, John, Jude. The lineage continues because of families. Families are created and sustained through strong marriages. Mommy and daddy, male and female. Family, lineage, roots, people groups. We have people groups or ethne or tie-ethne all around the world because of marriage. The reproduction that happens between a male and a female in marriage. The consecration that happens between a man and his wife in marriage. This is how we get, again, family, lineage, roots, and people groups. We get cultures and traditions and heritage. All of that comes from marriage between a male and a female. Right? These things do not occur with Charlie today and Michael tomorrow, or Sherry today and Lisa tomorrow. There's a constant disconnect. In other words, if you're a woman, I'm saying you can't go from Charlie today and Michael tomorrow. If you're a man, you can't go from Sherry today and Lisa tomorrow. If you keep connecting and disconnecting, we can't have family, lineage, roots, people groups. We're going to have a big mess. All right? This is the reason for marriage. The model in the Bible is marriage. So the answer for young men to that sex drive, that, that testosterone monkey that's on your back from period to period, first period, second period, first, uh, eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, I know that monkey is, yeah, rah, rah. I know, I understand, trust me, I have been a young man, but God's answer to that cry in your body is marriage. That's his only answer. It's either that or get on your knees, fast pray, read that word, serve, and dedicate yourself unto God if you are able to, says 1 Corinthians 7. Okay? So what is marriage? Again, according to the Bible, marriage is a reflection of Jesus Christ as God in relation to his body, the church. What is marriage? The varying degrees and seasons of marriage demonstrate the spectrum of things that can occur while walking with God. What is marriage? The ultimate message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that in spite of our imperfections, sin, and mistakes, in his great love for us, we are healed, we are forgiven, we are strengthened along the continuum of sanctification on 
till death. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to read that one more time. The ultimate message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that in spite of our imperfections, sin and mistakes, in his great love for us, we are healed, forgiven and strengthened along the continuum of sanctification until death. Folks, Jesus loves us. Jesus loves you. If you're listening, you may have sinned even before you turned this podcast on. Repent of your sins and be forgiven. Repent. That means to have a change of heart concerning that sin. Romans 6 tells us God does not want you and I to continue in sin. Notice I said the continuum of sanctification. You are to be growing uh, out of some things and into other things. For example, a man grows out of being a career fornicator and he grows into the things that make for marriage. He said, look, I'm not going to keep sleeping around. I'm just going to prepare for marriage and get me a wife. For the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7, 9, it is better to marry than to burn with ungratified sexual desire. Let's keep going. What is marriage? Marriage or husbands need the unconditional love and forgiveness of their wives. Wives need the unconditional love and forgiveness of their husbands. The lifetime of love and forgiveness displayed in marriage between a man and his wife demonstrate the love and forgiveness between Jesus Christ and his church. I'm going to say it one more time, my brother. The lifetime of love and forgiveness displayed in marriage between a man and his wife demonstrate the love and forgiveness between Jesus Christ and his church. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what marriage is. According to the Bible, This is these are my final remarks concerning this podcast. This is less than committed. You might say, brother, you have spent a good while telling me a lot of things. What's the point? I'm going to read you some stats and hopefully you will see the point at the end. What's the point? This is the last and final segment of this podcast. What's the point? 90% of people get married. 40 to 50% of marriages end up in divorce. I'm speaking for America and the Western world. Briefly, did you know that 85% of arranged marriages remain married? 85% of arranged marriages do not end in divorce. There's only a 15% divorce rate with arranged marriages. Oh my goodness. Stew and chew on that. Let's keep going. 35% of people never get married today. One out of every three people do not get married today. Marriage is a concession. Just like when you go to the baseball game. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. I don't care if I never get that one's removal for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. Force one, two, three, shots you have the old ball game. I may not have the lyrics right, but you know what I'm saying. When you go to the stadium, they have popcorn and peanuts and hot dogs and nachos. They got all kinds of food. They got ketchup, mustard, and relish, and onions. They got all that. Soda pop and juice and water. Yeah, those are called concessions. In other words, go and pick whatever you like. 
No one's gonna force you to put mustard on your hot dog. No one's gonna force you to put jelly on uh, uh, your donuts. You can go and pick whatever you want. If you wanna get married, you can. If you do not wanna get married, you do not have to. Marriage is not mandatory. Red flags are not to be ignored. If you show up late and he grab you by the throat and say what your problem is, when he let you go, get walk back to your car and leave. Don't you dare keep going. Oh, he just had a bad day. No, 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 that's a big red flag. Take time to establish non-negotiables and stick to them. Do not compromise. If you say the Joker can't smoke cigarettes, if he pull up smelling like an ashtray Jones, then you know, tell him you got to use the bathroom and go away, okay? If the current scenario doesn't work, there are plenty of other options. You don't have to force yourself to be with somebody. Even if you're with somebody now, you say, I'm gonna repent and get up out of this bed of fornication. There are plenty of people that appeal to you that meet the appropriate criteria that you instinctively are drawn to. There are plenty of people. You don't have to try to take a junkyard dog and turn him into some prize canine, a, a, a police dog. If, if he a junkyard dog, leave his butt right there in the junkyard and find you somebody else. <laughs> if you want to be married, Say so. Don't fool around with people when you're doing all this crap and dating for this nonsense and waste of time. If you want to be married, say it within the first hour of conversation. You know, I'm trying to be married. That's it. I'm not looking to date for a long time. Also, if you don't want to be married, say so. Do the same thing. Get it on out the way. First 30 minutes, an hour to go ahead and say it. No, I ain't looking to be married. That way, we don't end up in these five, six, seven years. Why won't he marry me? He already told you he, he didn't want to be married. For the believer, if you don't want to be married, don't date. As dating fuels sexual sin. I'm going to say it one more time for the believer. For the believer, if you don't want to be married, don't date. Do not date. As dating fuels sexual sin. Just read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 40. Emphasis on verses 1 through 9. For the believer, if you want to be married, then be celibate as celibacy fuels marriage. If you want to be married and you're a believer, then be celibate. Celibacy fuels marriage. That tea kettle will boil so much and then that that, that flap start flapping. Bah, 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 yeah, if you can you stay celibate, you're gonna get motivated to be married. Don't waste yourself or your life on people that are less than committed. You live a while, you know what questions to ask so that you don't waste your time. Don't waste your time on people that are less than committed. Talk is cheap. Action speaks louder than words. Talk is cheap, especially for ladies. Talk is cheap. Action speaks so much louder than words. My final piece of advice for you all in this less than committed podcast is don't make a spiritual decision with a carnal mind. 
I'm going to say it again. Do not make a spiritual decision with a carnal mind. In other words, if you're already in sexual sin, the cure is not marriage. If you're in sexual sin, you need to stop. Give yourself a season, maybe three, six months to clearly see the person for who they are. I would say six months or even a little bit longer than that, maybe eight months. Over that time, you will get to see the person for who they are. And that will tell you whether that person is for you when it comes to marriage. Other words, you jump in anyway and you have missed a lot of things that will cause you so many problems down the road of marriage. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 7 talks about this. It says that people who are married will have many problems. And this is one of the reasons why, because of sexual sin occurring before marriage. This is Tay Love preaching Jesus the Christ that concludes this podcast called Less Than Committed. I hope you have enjoyed the digging. I hope you have enjoyed the time. Please share, like, and subscribe. You've got to subscribe. You've got to share this podcast. I already know there's a bunch of junk out there when it comes to the Word of God. It all depends on the motivation of pastors or the motivation of those messengers. And a lot of those messengers, their motive is not Jesus. The book of Jude speaks of these things, how there's so many different motives of people with a Bible in their hand. You have got to know the truth. So share this podcast if it was truth to you that it may be truth to somebody else. Tay Love preaching Jesus, the One Life podcast via MadeUpMind.com. Check out the new album, Free One, Spotify, iTunes, uh, uh, all the digital music outlets, and also the music video, Free One. Look at it again. Maybe you'll see something this time. We got another music video coming out real soon. I'm not going to uh, uh, spoil it for you. You just got to stay tuned to this podcast. Stay tuned to the YouTube channel. God bless you. Until next time. Hit the trash bag. Preach the gospel. Matthew 28, 19. Make disciples of all. Make disciples. One life. One death. One time. Make disciples. Make disciples.